0: This is Vintage Broadcasting The following is a study through the book of Philippians My name is Frank Goss I hope this study proves beneficial to you in the days to come I thank you very much As I study this letter in Philippians that Paul wrote, it it amazes me. And I try to envision Paul as he wrote and as he was sitting there in his jail cell. You know he had difficulties. You know he had emotional trials. You know he had stresses, worries, and all these things that accompanied it. But yet he seemed to, to be free in his heart and his mind to express himself in an unhindered way. And when he wrote, he wrote with joy and satisfaction that is quite unimaginable considering the circumstances that we see him in. One part he wrote here in the book of Philippians, chapter 1 I'm reading. I'm going to start with verse 12 if you want to follow it. But he was writing to the Philippians and he said, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everybody else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Now, some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former, well, they proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, rather than from pure motives, thinking that they're going to cause me distress in my imprisonment. Well, what then? Well, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul had been beaten, he had been whipped two or three times, shipwrecked, imprisoned, stoned, ridiculed, mocked, and yet... Read what he writes here. I've been around people for quite some time. I've worked with them literally all over the world. I'm not well known by any means. I'm not a gadabout in the community. I've worked with people from France and Spain and Japan and Africa. I've worked with them in diverse circumstances. I believe I have a practical understanding of human nature, which I believe makes me something of a conservative. I'm not impressed with humanity. People are not essentially good. It's not difficult to see how people tend to divide themselves into two distinct categories. On one side, they're religious, and on the other, they're secular. The religious category deals with the spiritual side of things, which many consider, of course, to be sacred. This is a cultural thought and a feeling. And in the church, for many, it's a day of rest. After all, it is Sunday. Some read their Bibles during the week, and that's good. Some spend time in prayer witnessing and encouraging others, and this is good. The secondary category involves everything else work, recreation, family life, sports, vacation, and so on. However, there is a definite line of demarcation between the two. There's the religious side of a man and the religious interest, and they belong over here. Then there's the secular side and all other interests they belong over here there are certain issues that the church can be involved in everything else i'll take care of so there's a dichotomy there politics and business well they're extremely important to the daily life of the community and of the family books church and study they help they do but they're squeezed in where we can find a space time you know is limited This is the modern lifestyle that we've come to accept and embrace in the American culture. It's the normal and accepted behavior. You don't want to break the norm. People never really complain about too much entertainment, business, or other affairs taking up so much time. Some people consider you a little bit strange if you're not keeping up with what's on television. However, when it comes to Christianity and your faith begins to interfere with the secular interest, then you're considered to be a little bit fanatical. You're getting a little radical. Coworkers will consider you to be very religious because they see you pray over your lunch. Some people feel a little bit leery when they see an open Bible on your desk that it's worn a little bit. They feel that you're an extremist. In the light of the culture in which we live today, it's easily understood how these things can happen. We have to work and we have to be accepted in the workplace. We spend a lot of hours with a lot of different people. We really don't have a choice about this as we have to make a living, Right that's true. But at the same time, we are Christians. We're citizens of a different world. We're citizens of heaven. We've been chosen to be God's people. And there's a great deal of work to do on the Christian side of things as well. And sometimes things get out of balance. Some tend to think Christian work is far more important than secular work. And some people tend to think, well, I'll give this uh, secular work my full attention and my Christianity does not get involved here because this man is paying me for my time. I don't agree with that view. Christianity covers everything. Some believe that God is honored only by devotional times and times spent in church. Well, the way to see the balance, in my opinion, is to read and to study the biographies of the biblical characters. Look at David. Look at Abraham. Look at Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Read about these people. Read their lives and watch. There's no denying that David was a deeply spiritual man. He wrote beautiful psalms, and he loved God with his whole being. And yet, as you read his history, you cannot tell that he served God more as a poet or more as a king. It's hard to break the two apart. As king, he fought the Lord's battle in a secular world. He honored God in the work that God had given him to do. Jesus Christ knew of no line of demarcation in his work. and He said that he did everything to please his father. In John eight twenty nine, he says, I always do what pleases him. And now, naturally, we'll consider Paul as we're studying his letter to the Philippians. Paul was a religious man when we first met him in the book of Acts. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was very political, very studied. He knew the law of God. He knew the law of Moses. He knew the ways of Judaism. So he was a deeply religious man and a deeply political man as well. After he became a Christian, He knew the child of God was called to live a life under the watchful and loving care of the Heavenly Father, and to do all things for His glory. The love of Christ, from that point on, constrained him. Paul knew the Word of God. He studied it for years. When he came to Christ, an entirely new understanding came with it. And he saw that we are to present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is our reasonable service. He told this to the Romans, in Romans 12, verse 1. Paul applies the same thought to his own experience in noting that Christ should be exalted in his body, whether by life or by death. He said this to the Philippians, verse 20 here that we're reading. There's a song that was written by a lady named Mary Dagworthy James. She said, All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my beings, ransom powers, all my thoughts and words and doings, all my days and all my hours. She understood these things. And my heart swells as I read these words. And when I sing them with a the, with the group in church, it brings us closer to God in understanding our devotion and commitment to him. It's a tremendous, tremendous song. And it helps express what Paul is starting to get across to his people. What we need to see and understand is that there is a practical Christian life that calls for all for Jesus, all for Jesus, all of our beings, ransom powers, all of my thoughts, all my words, all my doings, all my days, and all my hours. That is the practical Christian life. It's not the exception. However, in our day, it is the exception. Several years ago, I began to have trouble with my vision. After a visit to the ophthalmologist, I was told that I had cataracts in both eyes. Over my lifetime, proteins and fibers began to break down, and my sight was becoming hazy and cloudy, particularly as I aged. This was in my mid-50s. My lens in my eyes had become less flexible and less transparent and thicker. The, the longer this existed, the worse my vision became. The cataract was not allowing enough light to to get into my eye, which was preventing me from seeing images clearly. I could not drive at night. That was an impossibility. I was scheduled for surgery, and after the procedure was completed, it was as if somebody pulled a veil from my eyes. I had become accustomed over the years to seeing things in a blurred image, covered by shadows. It was just a normal way of seeing things. I did not realize that I was seeing things improperly. It was the normal way of seeing When I walked into a room after having the cataracts removed, I literally had to cover my eyes, thinking that the light was far too bright. One of the greater benefits that came after this procedure was completed was that I was able to see clearly for the first time in decades. And I had no idea prior to that that I wasn't seeing clearly until the issue became unbearable. There are a lot of Christians who see Jesus, but they don't see him Clearly. There's a lot of Christians who live the Christian life. They're in church, but they're not understanding clearly. They're standing as the blind man from Bethsaida telling Jesus, I can see people, but they look like trees walking around. That's in Mark eight twenty two through 24. They can see, there's no doubt that they've been touched miraculously by Jesus Christ. Their lives have changed dramatically. It can't be denied, but they're just not seeing clearly. This is why God calls us together to the church. It is within the church, as we study God's word together, that we start to see things clearly. It's not without effort or concentration and prayer that these things happen. We have to apply ourselves to study. We have to commit ourselves to one another to learn. The interest of God's word gives light. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. So as we see these things and we walk with Christ and we begin to understand who Christ is, we begin to see more clearly and to understand what the true Christian life is all about. It takes effort. So let's make every effort to know exactly what God is telling us. This is what Paul is showing us here in Philippians. And this is why it makes this book so exciting to me. We thank you very much for following along in our study on Philippians, and we hope that you continue as we continue with the study here. You are well appreciated, and we hope that this has been of great benefit to you. Thank you very much.